What up, y'all? Steve Marquez here with the Prime Sports Podcast. We're here with our second episode of the NFL season. You can find me on Twitter at PSR Marquez. I'm here with my two co-hosts, PSC underscore Rios, and that's Pete Rios, who going on, y'all? gives us all Cowboys news. Uh, and then we have Tony Sutton, and you can find him at PSV Sutton on Twitter, and he gives you all your Vikings news. Today, we're going to focus on the NFL trade deadline. It's been a crazy week. It's been a crazy day with trades. Unfortunately, we don't have our fourth co-host, Blake Elijah. He got caught up with work, but he'll be glad to meet up with us again next week. So we'll be taking his place and covering the Ravens and, you know, giving our thoughts and our opinions on how they've been playing this week and the moves they made. But yeah, diving right into it, it was an intense, exciting day when it came to the NFL trade deadline, which ended at 4 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. Pacific time. And it almost seemed like it was the NBA trade trade deadline with all the moves that were being made. Which moves stuck out the most to you guys? And which teams did you guys feel should have made a move? Uh, Pete, let's start with you. Give me your biggest move of today and which one you really liked. Man, you know, to be honest, I think my favorite one was probably Bradley Chubb. Uh, he's just so dominant in the pass rush. I think <clears throat> I think where he went, I just think I think that was needed on that side of the ball. Um, but to get past that one, I, I, as much as I, I talk shit on the Vikings here, uh, I like the TJ Hawkinson to the – to the Vikings a lot. Um, I just think he's 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 a lot similar to Irv Smith. I mean, Irv Smith is super injury prone, or at least here recently. But yeah. Hawkinson, man, we've seen what he can do. I mean, he can go out there and do 160 yards. I mean, or he can go out there and catch zero catch zero passes. So we'll see what he can do. I like how he, he should stretch the field for the Vikings. I don't think it affects Justin Jefferson too much. I just think it opens up the offense a little more. 100% yeah, agree what, what, with you on that one. I think that um, uh, I think he was a good uh, pickup for the Vikings there. And, um, uh, you know, the reason that you see a trade like this happen is uh, the Lions don't want to pay TJ Hawkinson. Um, you know, he's up for a contract in a contract year right now. Um, so obviously they don't want to just let him go for free if they're not going to pay him. He doesn't fit with the long time game plan. But for the Vikings, a couple of picks here um, to get an improvement at the position. And Irv Smith expecting to miss uh, right around eight weeks with his injury in this last game. Perfect timing for the Vikings to make a trade. Yeah, so let's see. What did Minnesota actually give up for TJ Hawkinson? If I'm not mistaken, I want to say they gave up a 23, was it second and third? And then they also got it, two pick. They got two picks back, conditional picks. Yep, I think it was it was either a second and a third or a second and a fourth. Yeah, I know the first time that I read it, I thought they gave up four picks. I was like, "Oh, we had steep for them." But then okay, I reread yeah. it, seeing that it was the Vikings get T.J. Hawkinson, a fourth round pick, and a conditional 2024 fourth round pick, and the Lions get a second round pick and a 2024 third round pick. So yeah. So I, I mean, I think it's a good it's a good trade for both teams. Um, yeah, with the injury to Irv Smith, I think it's a huge upgrade to that passing offense. Uh, you know, I, I, I saw stat. I saw stat that TJ Hawkinson. No, I mean the Lions are in a rebuilding mode. To be honest, I think 
they have certain pieces that they're working with, but you don't have a franchise quarterback yet. Um, DeAndre Swift is a beast. Amon Ross St. Brown is a beast. They have Jamison Williams, who's still injured and hasn't come back. Um, yeah, you needed to fix that O line. You need to fix. You need to fix that defense. So honestly, it's a good move for them because T.J. Hawkinson was going to be expensive, and oh, yeah. the Vikings get a huge upgrade with the injury to Irv Smith, like Tony said. And T.J. Hawkinson has more receiving yards this season than all Vikings tight ends had as a collective so far. So it's definitely going to help Kirk out a lot. It's probably going to open up the field for Dalvin Cook and. Dillon and Justin Jefferson a little bit more. So I think it's I think it's a win for both teams. Bradley Chubb, what did they give up for the Bradley Chubb trade? So before we get into that, I just want to thank y'all both for talking about the Vikings for me, making my job easier. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good move. It was a move that I think we all collectively really liked. I'm just a huge Hawkinson fan, man. I mean, I had him last year in fantasy, got him this year in fantasy. And what we yeah, we see what the we see what the Lions can do without him as well. He was hurt last year. We seen that's when Amon Ra really broke out. So I'm excited to see how that does for the Detroit offense as well. Yeah, they, it, I mean, come on, it's T.J. Hawkinson. I know Irv Smith <laughs> got potential, but when you can get an upgrade like that, who's he's probably one of the top five, top seven tight ends in the league. Yeah, he's, you're, he's you're a, standing at six and one. You're leading the division. You're trying to, you know, make a push to be a, con- a Super Bowl contending team with how the season's going so far. I, I, I just don't. I think they hit. They hit. They hit on that trade. Oh, yeah, talking about Bradley Chubb, huh? Yeah, Bradley Chubb. He was arguably the best defender on the market right now, and Miami, who's having a good season, you know, went for it. They swung. They traded a first round pick that they got from San Francisco, and they traded a fourth round. And running back Chase Edmonds for Bradley Chubb and a fifth, uh, 2025th year fifth round pick. Um, what do you guys make of that trade? Personally, I like, I like the move for Miami. I think it's a good move for Denver. It, 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 both sides didn't really lose. Denver gets a first round pick, helps them to continue to build their team without having to pay pay Bradley Chubb. And Miami obviously upgrades their defense because we both, because we all know, all three of us know that they have an explosive offense. So I think it was a good move for both. What do you guys think? Got it, Tony. I got this one, man. I just wanted to say I think it's a great move um, for the Miami Dolphins. And their front office is to be commended for the work that they've put in uh, for the last three to four years here. Ever since the tank for two uh, hashtags came around, we all remember that week two um, dumpster fire that was the Miami Dolphins against MVP Lamar Jackson. Uh, and the way they managed to turn it around, the way they managed to trade their picks, you know, they made the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. Uh, you know, they've made other trades along and acquired first round picks and to not only hit with those picks because they got Jalen Waddle, they got Tua Tagovailoa, who has turned out to be um, worth uh, that first overall pick. Um, oh, yeah. I and they think got Tyreek that, with one of the first rounders. Yeah, they've yeah. managed to hit with Insane. every single one of those picks, damn near every single one of those picks. Um, and they've been able to expedite their rebuild and I think they uh 
they could potentially give the Buffalo Bills here, if not this season, next season, a run for their money in that AFC West or AFC East race out there. They've got two explosive wide receivers in Waddle and Hill. And if Tua keeps progressing like we've seen him this year, even despite injury, they could be yeah. scary. They could be scary out in the East. I agree. I think they definitely need to continue to bolster their defense up to stop someone like Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. But getting somebody like Bradley Chubb is a good first step. Um, the Dolphins also traded for 49ers running back Jeff Wilson. I believe they gave up a sixth, possibly a fifth. All right, guys, we're back. Sorry about the technical difficulties that we had, but we wanted have. to jump back into the NFL trade deadline. Um, I believe we last left off with Jeff Wilson, the running back for the 49ers being traded to the Dolphins, along with the move that they made for Bradley Chubb. They're definitely making some moves. They're trying to compete in that AFC East division against the Buffalo Bills. But some other big trades of the day, um, this one actually happened yesterday, and unfortunately, Blake isn't here to talk about it. But how do we feel about the Ravens trading for Roquan Smith of the Chicago Bears? I know it's a big trade. Uh, the Ravens gave up a second round and a fifth round pick in exchange for Roquan Smith straight up. How do you guys feel about that move, and what does that say about the Ravens? Man, I like the move. I mean, I'm a big Roquan Smith fan since he came into the league. Um, I think it's just something, I mean, you think of the Ravens, bro, you, through history, you just think of good linebacker, uh, yeah. great defense. I just think it's going to help them get back to get back to where they were and maybe, you know, help them a little bit in the fourth quarter because, you know, the Ravens here recently have been struggling third, fourth quarter. Maybe if their defense can get a couple stops, it'll get the it'll keep the offense's momentum going. So we'll see. Yeah, how do you oh. feel about it, Tony? Uh, I 100% agree with uh, Pete here. Um, I think when you think of the Baltimore Ravens, you think of good defense, good running attack, and, um, uh, you know, all year, I think it's kind of been a lot of more of the running attack than the defense. So hopefully this puts the Ravens back into, you know, that level of contention we uh, expect from them and uh, helps them lock in that NFC North berth. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like giving up a second and a fifth isn't too much for a player of Roquan Smith's caliber. Not now, at all. Do they, do they resign him? I don't know. It creates a problem because <clears throat> he becomes a free agent after this year, and so does Lamar. So you only have one franchise tag, and you still would have to pay the other an absurd amount of money. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I definitely think this is them putting pressure on the Browns, the Steelers, the Bengals, the rest of the AFC saying we're all in for the season. We think we have the right pieces to compete. And I think it's a great I think it's a great move and it's an even better fit. Like you guys said, he fits that Ravens defense. He's that type of linebacker. And with Patrick Queen, they they're gonna have a scary defense um for the rest I'd, of the season. I'd like to roll that trade into the uh into the Chase Claypool to the Bears. I don't know. I mean yes. you see they gave they gave away Robert Quinn on the defense and they gave away Chubb. Uh, I mean, they gave up uh, Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith, sorry. And at first, you hear something like that. It makes you think, like, oh, they're rebuilding or something like that. 
then they go get Chase Claypool, and they want to make that offense easier for Justin Fields. I mean, we know they have the rushing attack. Um, they have the they have Mooney. I have Claypool on the other side. Like I like we we talked about it a little bit earlier. I like the Claypool move. I think Claypool's name's just been dragged through the mud. I know it's like immature, immature by him for the way that he's acted the past two years. But we've seen yeah. what he can do. I mean, I've seen a stat today that says Claypool has more receiving touchdowns than the Bears uh, combined since he's came into the league, since the current Bears receivers. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see what he can do over there. I mean, we know he's a big body. We kind of hope he can fix the drops. Yeah, I mean, Rob, yeah, we didn't talk about Robert Quinn to the Eagles, which I think was a great move them adds another pass rusher to that already good defense but yeah I think the Bears are trying to shift their focus from being that old school defensive style and they're starting to buy into what Justin Fields does and they got a personally, mobile quarterback man yeah per, I mean personally <laughs> I think David Montgomery leaves this offseason he becomes yeah, a free agent I don't think he stays but trading for a player of Chase Claypool, and I think they gave up a second-round pick for him. Yeah. You give of you give Justin Fields another receiver in a very depleted room, and now pairing him with Darnell Mooney, he's a big receiver who's a decent blocker. He can stretch the field for you. It's, and then it's equity telling me St. You're, Brown. Exactly. You're, it tells me you're going in on Justin Fields, and you're trying to produce with him. You're trying to grow him, and I think it's a good move for them in that aspect. And like you um, said about David Montgomery, I think even if he wanted to stay, I don't think they keep him. Khalil Herbert just he, – he takes over the backfield when he's in the game. Yeah, he, I, I, like to, I like explosive. Herbert. Yeah, the Viking fans should have a touch on this. I have a, <laughs> I have a quick touch on this, and then we'll move on to what's next. <clears throat> I don't think that this move necessarily signifies that the Bears are going to be all in on Justin Fields. I think this is them testing fields and keeping themselves flexible for next season here if they decide to move off of fields. Um, I think that they've kind of set themselves up to, okay, if we're going to rebuild, we're going to have a bunch of space. We've seen what fields can be with Claypool. He's not the guy. Let's let's draft a rookie quarterback. Let's put some more, you know, different pieces around him with this cap space we have, and let's start fresh. If Fields yeah. is the guy with Claypool, then they still have that cap space they have. They now have the luxury of being able to plug in different pieces if they find out that all Fields needed was a receiver that was, you know, um, I guess good. I don't want to say that like Darnell Mooney isn't good, but they've definitely yeah. had issues at the wide receiver position this year. Adding yeah. it, I think they're 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 testing fields, they're keeping themselves flexible, and that's honestly a smart move by the Chicago Bears. So I, I hope that, um, <clears throat> I hope that it doesn't work out for them personally. But uh, <laughs> it would be very interesting to see um, the Chicago Bears be competent in the quarterback room for once in their uh, storied existence. Oh man! Yeah, I mean, and yeah, right before we move on to a couple of other trades, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later on in the season and during the offseason, the Bears are going to have nine picks in this draft with $120 million in cap space. Yeah, their cap space so, is insane. So, so look look at the Bears to be big spenders and making big moves this offseason. Speaking of big moves, this was a move that nobody would have expected. <clears throat> 
And if it did happen, everybody thought it would have happened during the offseason. And that was Calvin Ridley to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, as we all know, Calvin Ridley was suspended this year for betting on the Falcons to beat the Jaguars. And, <laughs> you know, something of a coincidence. But the the Jaguars traded away what I believe is a fourth-round pick that can turn into a third-round pick that could turn into a second-round pick based off uh, different conditions. This is one of the trades with the most conditions that I've seen. But I believe it's if he makes the roster next season, it gets upgraded to a third. And if he plays a certain amount of snaps, it gets upgraded to the second. How do you guys feel about this trade? And what does it mean for Trevor Lawrence and that Jaguars offense? And what does that tell you about the Falcons? Hey, Tony. I don't like this trade at all. I don't, under- <laughs> I don't understand why you trade Ridley now. I don't understand why you have all of these exceptions trying to save face on the fact that you traded your young wide receiver. Um, And I don't like this move particularly for the Jaguars either. I really don't think that wide receiver was their biggest need um, going into the rest of this year. And uh, next year, I think there are some holes on the offensive line that could be filled. I think there's some holes on the defensive side that could be filled as well. Um, and after trading James Robinson, I mean, you might want to have some more security at the running back, je- running back depth chart. Um, we saw what happened with Brees Hall, and it's funny, James Robinson is a result of that. So <clears throat> now you have one running back who's your clear-cut uh, RB1 workhorse back. If he gets hurt, that derails the entire season uh, for the Jaguars, who are already a, a middling team struggling to win games. I just don't get this for either side. Yeah, I mean, I did see a stat, though, that said that the Jaguars had – oh, man, I don't even want to mess it up. But it's basically saying how the Jaguars throwing deep to receivers, they're in the – bottom of the league when it comes to being successful at that and Calvin Ridley up to the point of him being suspended had the second most catches of 20 plus yards so I think it definitely helps the Jaguars in the sense that they get to stretch the field because that's something that they don't do right now Christian Kirk Zay Jones they're very mid 15 uh, 10 15 yard mid-level type of receivers but I agree I do think there's other holes that the Jaguars that they can fix. Um, But I think if Calvin really does come back and does ball out, it's easily a good move. You get a top wide receiver, one who's fast and athletic, who's still young, who doesn't have as as much track on their tires because of the season off. So I think it was an interesting trade. It definitely wasn't something I expected, um, another trade that was expected, though, was he was a running back to the Bills. We all knew that they were in the market for a running back. A lot of us had mentioned Josh Jacobs, possibly. Some of us had mentioned Kareem Hunt. But they ultimately get Naheem Hines from a Colts backfield that was pretty stacked. How do we feel about that move, and what does that mean for Buffalo? You know, I, <clears throat> I like it. Uh, I think they got they got true pass catching back back there now. He's quick, he's explosive, but I mean, 
I don't know that it was really needed for the Bills offense. I mean, Singletary's been okay. I mean, they have uh, Zach Moss back there. I mean, I think it will definitely help them if they if they use them the way that they need to as a pass catching back. But me personally, I think Kareem Hunt would have fit back there better. He's a harder runner than Singletary, and he can catch passes better than Singletary. And I don't think yeah. Naheem Himes is a harder runner than Kareem Hunt. So I think with Hunt, they could have got a better all-around back. I mean, they were asking for a fourth-rounder. I mean, are the Bills not willing to give that up? So. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like a fourth-round pick for a player like Kareem Hunt isn't too bad. Um, although if Kareem Hunt leaves in free agency, the Browns get a compensor- compensatory pick out of it. But, yeah, I mean, any other trades that happened today that you guys can think of that you think had an effect? I mean, I know William Jackson went to the Steelers. Not that that was anything crazy. Um, let's see. Let me see. Now I'm about to check real quick, too. See if there's anything that I wanted to mention. Well, while y'all look into that, I just want to go on a little bit of a, of a, a quick little soliloquy here before we wrap up our segment here during trade week. Mm-hmm. I think there were a lot of teams that could have went all in uh, during the trade deadline. They just flat out didn't. And I just want to list those those couple of teams here. Um, and I just want you guys, I just want to hear if you guys agree or disagree with these. So the first would be, um, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. They didn't make a move. I felt like they could have the Los Angeles chargers or another team didn't make a move. Uh, the green Bay Packers needed to make a move for a receiver. Didn't make a move. Um, and lastly, I think that this might be a little controversial here, but <clears throat> I feel like that the Bills and the Chiefs could have done more. I feel like they could have pushed a little further, but in being a little bit conservative, I, I mean, I like the additions they made with Naheem Hines. I like that the Chiefs went and got a Kadarius Tony, Tony. Yeah, oh. I, I, I like those, but I just don't know how much it moves the needle for either one of those yeah. two teams. I, 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 I get what you're saying. I, man, I don't know why the Chiefs didn't make a move on defense. I mean, I've seen they were active out there, and they were trying to. They tried to get Bradley Chubb. They tried to get uh, Roquan Smith. I mean, they tried to get Josh Allen from the Jags. I mean, they were out there, and they were, they were trying to make a move. I just didn't get it a, done. I think for a team with that many injuries and then – that good of an offense, they had to go out there and do something. But I guess they kept up with the Bills last game. So, I mean, I guess they felt that they were confident, and then they beat them in the playoffs. We know how that goes. So, I guess they're confident. Yeah, I mean, I, I all those teams, or the first three teams you mentioned, Tony, I believe, were, losing, were losers at the trade deadline. The yeah. Cowboys, the Rams, and the Packers. I said and, the Chargers, not the Rams, the Chargers, but the Rams and the too. Chargers, but the Rams as well, yes. Both LA teams. Um, the Packers, the Rams, the Cowboys are all teams who are fighting for a wild card spot. The NFC, although it has the Eagles and the Vikings mm-hmm. up top and the Cow- the Cowboys are up there as well, Outside of those few teams, it's open. 
And with Minnesota making a trade for TJ Hawkinson, with the Eagles trading for Robert Quinn, with teams making moves and good teams making moves, I expected a little bit more. The Packers are in dying need of a receiver, and we know that they don't Man. invest a lot into getting one. But you might not have Rodgers after this year. And with the NFC, with that wild card spot open, why wouldn't you push to fight for something? It just doesn't make sense to me. The Cowboys. You got Rodgers at quarterback, man. I mean, we've seen what he's done. You could have got him anybody. Brandon Cooks, Chase Claypool, DJ Moore. Like, I mean, I guess if they were to sign Odell Beckham Jr., but that's the same thing. That's a one-year contract, at least on the Packers side. They're not going to give him a multi-year contract, which is what he's looking for. So I think that I think they're big losers at this. I think the Cowboys as well. I, I don't even want to start. Cowboys are a good team, but I think with the Eagles making moves, with some of these other teams making moves, they needed to do something. They needed to bring in another receiver because that passing attack still isn't consistent. And Jerry Jones does what Jerry Jones does, and we all hope. Eventually, that will fix. Pete, I know you could go on and on about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say too much about you it. We'd CD on the block, bro. <laughs> I mean, we do we do have James Washington coming back. I know he's not, like, that big of an asset, but they said Jalen Tolbert, our rookie wide receiver, is making big, uh, big strides. So I just think they feel confident. Um, and I've seen a couple of tweets from the beat writers in Dallas. I mean, they said if we had Amari or if we had Brandon Cooks on our team, I mean – we'd probably still be six and two. I think the other two games that we lost, they're just, Dak got hurt in one of them. And then I don't think anything could have helped us with the Eagles and having Cooper rush back there. So I think yeah. they're just, I think they're content right now. I mean, I, I see, I see how, why they feel the way they are. 70% of our team is drafted. We're a really good drafting team. It just sucks that they don't make splashes in free agency. Yeah. And I don't think they're losers because they needed to make the trade. I just think with the Eagles being the best team in the NFL right now, leading your division, with the Giants still breathing down your guys' neck, with the Vikings, like, Eagles made a move, the Vikings made a move. Those teams are right there trying to put the pressure on the rest of the NFL, and I get you guys didn't need to make a move, but something to counteract that I feel would have been necessary. Uh, Rams and Chargers, same thing. Both teams that should have been better than they're showing. And again, did nothing to improve. Not that they needed to make a move either, but with teams making those kind of moves, it, it just I just don't understand how you don't do something about it. Yeah. Uh, I think it was very exciting. It was a super fun day to follow all I mean, the trades. It was a record-breaking record day for the trade. Record-breaking. It was, uh, I believe, what, 10 trades today? Yeah, 10 trades. And last year, there was only three. There was only three. So I think I think teams are trying to make moves. I think teams are trying to push forward a certain narrative. They're starting to see how teams are being built. They're starting to see how how strong teams like the Bills and the Chiefs and how found how profoundly good and consistent teams like the Eagles are that you need to you need to make moves and i yeah. think the teams that aren't making the moves are the teams that are going to be falling behind but i think that wraps up this first segment of the NFL trade deadline 
Um, we're going to come back with our recaps and our, re- our, re- our, and our previews of the next coming week for the Raiders, the Ravens, the Cowboys, and the Vikings. So we'll see you guys in a second. All right, y'all, we're glad to be back. Uh, Here we are getting ready to talk about the game recaps for week seven. Uh, Pete, you can go ahead and get us started. How did the Cowboys look against the Lions? Or, excuse me, sorry. No, you're good. The Bears. Week eight, how did they look <laughs> against the Bears? And what did it tell you about Dak's performance and how he's healing from that thumb injury? Man, you know, I think Dak came out. I think he came out and he looked really good. Um, he honestly surprised me. You know, my predictions last week, I had the game being a lot closer. I didn't think our offense was going to come out and score 49 points. Um, the biggest thing with Dak is he looked a little more confident. We couldn't score against the 32nd-ranked defense in the NFL when we played the Lions the week before. So to come out against a better defense that just destroyed the Pats the week prior, I think I think he looked good. Um, he was spreading the ball around. CD looked good. I mean, we know Tony Pollard looked amazing. I mean, That's what I was going to say. About 15, Tony Pollard. 15 touches, 147 yards, I believe, and three touchdowns. Um, I know everybody is saying, hey, make him your starter, you know, let Z go, but I don't know. I, I don't want Zeke to go. I mean, I know what he. I know what he provides. He's like an extra lineman out there. Whenever it's a passing yeah. play, he can catch the ball if he needs to. He's a straight up and down runner. He's strong. We've seen he's got a little bit of his uh, burst back. You know, he's hurdling people again this year. He's running through people. Um, he's hit a higher top speed this year than he has since his rookie year. So um, I think the team looked good. I'm not going to go too much more in depth on it. Um, and as for the preview, I'll skip that. <clears throat> um, that's it. Yeah, I almost went into the preview, but we'll save that for the <laughs> segment. Yeah, um, you know, funny, funny story. I traded Tony Pollard for Brandon Cooks in fantasy earlier this season, and well, you can imagine how that's going. So, uh, yeah, you guys looked good. Dak looked good. Tony Pollard looks great. Zeke looked good. CD looked good. I think it was the most complete you guys most complete game you guys have put out. Yeah. So I think you guys played really well. You did show out against like you said. I know looking at I know looking defense. at the stats, it looks it looks like our defense did bad compared to what we've done in the previous weeks. But I mean we got a lead. We weren't trying to play super aggressive. We weren't really blitzing. Um we weren't playing prevent defense, but we were allowing the holes to open up. So you know the you know the Bears and their passing attack, it's not really there right now. So they were just running the ball up that we were allowing them to. Um but our defense still did good. They created some turnover. We see Micah Parsons uh, return for a touchdown. I think the defense is fine, even though they let the Bears score 29 points. Yeah. No, I, no, the Cowboys look good, and I think they cemented themselves as one of the top five teams in the NFL right now. So I think they're going to be going, you know, into this bye week coming up in a good position. Um, and we had a lot of injuries on defense, so the bye week came in a perfect time. Yeah, it's, gonna, it's definitely going to help you guys get healthy. Um, who do you guys face after the bye week? Do you know? Uh, I believe it's the Packers. I could be wrong. Let me let me let me bet that real quick. We have, yeah, it is the Packers. The Packers on the November thirteenth in at, at Lambeau Field. At Lambeau, so we'll 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 see how how that game turns out. I I think it's always 
uh, memorable when the Mike, Packers Mike and the McCarthy, Cowboys Mike meet. McCarthy's going to be back in Des, Lambeau, so. Uh, Des Bryant, yeah, Mike, Mike McCarthy back in Lambeau. Let's so. not bring up the Des Bryant. Let's go to the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it was a good week for the uh, Cowboys. Um, we're going to move in to talking about the Ravens real quick. Um, how did you guys feel about them beating the Bucks on Thursday night? And then do you think this is a top five worthy team, especially after the Roquan Smith trade? I liked it. I think that the um, uh, Ravens played uh, uh, as good of a game as we could have expected them to against a highly motivated Bucks team. Um, and, uh, half of us, I believe it was you and me, it, it was you and me, Steve, right. That predicted that the Bucks would win. The Bucks would beat the Ravens. I yeah, know, I know so... Blake would love to say something about that. <laughs> they definitely proved us wrong here. Um, especially being able to, um, uh, have some fight in the fourth quarter late in games. I know that's where the team had struggled a lot going and getting Roquan Smith is only going to make you better. And, um, uh, I'd say this team is definitely worth top five considerations here. We'll see how um, uh, consistent they are um, going here through the next stretch of their schedule. But um, I think that is definitely lined up for the Ravens to finish with the AFC North. I, I will say I do think the injury to Rashad Bateman is going to hold them back a little bit. Uh, Bateman's playing better than I actually thought he would. I do think he's a really good receiver. This receiver class was was amazing so far. Um, but I do think it's going to affect them a lot. I do think that's Lamar's number one receiver, obviously outside of Mark Andrews, who's also dealing with a little bit of injury. So I think injuries could play a factor in that. But I think it was a convincing win for the Ravens and kind of a disappointing loss for the Bucks, especially with the news of Tom Brady uh, getting divorced to Giselle. So, uh, and, they lost, and they lost Shaq Barrett in that game. And they lost mm. Shaq Barrett for the year. So it, it's looking rough for the Bucks right now. I did say if they lost that I didn't think they would win the division. Fortunately for the Bucks, that NFC South division, division isn't bad. too tough. It's not too tough. So they're not out of the playoff race. Um, hopefully, and I think we can all assume that Tom Brady and the Bucks will bounce back. That's just been Tom Brady's MO. But it was definitely a, a, a bad loss for them when they really needed one. Let's move on to the Vikings recap against the Cardinals. Tony, how did you feel about a pretty solid win in where I personally picked the Cardinals to come out and beat all the Vikings. Tree, y'all picked the fucking. We all Cardinals. did. We we all thought it was in the writing, but nope. The Vikings came out, played a great game. They beat the Cardinals pretty handily. Kirk Cousins had a very nice touchdown run that had us all talking about it in yeah, our that chat. That boy was zooming, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How how'd you feel about Kirk Cousins' performance and about this Vikings win against the Cardinals at home? In I love what Kirk Cousins has been done doing the month of October. We've been calling it Kirktober over here. And uh, he just looked super confident um, in that game for most of the game. Uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, getting in um, 
on nice third down passes. He was finding Adam Thielen a lot more often. Justin Jefferson still having a good game. He got that touchdown on his legs. And I think the the defining moment of this game was when the Vikings were down, um, I believe, three points in the third quarter. Um, that drive that Kirk Cousins had them go on to um, essentially take the lead back after it seemed like the you know, the Cardinals momentum, they blocked that field goal at the end of the game. Yep. They score um, earlier in the quarter and Kirk Cousins, he goes and gets it. The defense gets a stop. The special teams gets a turnover. And all of a sudden you're looking at a completely different game. This third different quarter game. was crazy. Um, the Vikings defense was also something I feel like that needs to be talked about here. Darius bang, Smith no might be up for defensive player of the year. Bro, we were just talking about that. Yeah. He has been arguably the best defensive player this year. So Darius Smith has been absolutely on fire. I believe he got that key sack in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. um, that officially put down the Cardinals here. Uh, he looked good. And a player that looked a lot better in the first couple of quarters, but in spots, Patrick Peterson. What a revolution he's been in his He's been struggling, but yeah, he definitely looked like he's been turning it around and playing better this year. He's been the best cornerback this year so far that the Vikings have had since Xavier Rhodes was uh, <laughs> was was good, bro. It, they've been <laughs> struggling good. at that position. That was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we used to say roads closed. <laughs> Shit's opened right up. <laughs> but um, yeah. the two interceptions in this game, they were both kind of just Kyler Murray, what the fuck are you doing? Turn your aimbot back on. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, I told you. Call of Duty weekend. He had that shit on his mind the whole game. <laughs> Call of Duty weekend. <laughs> hey, hey but, that... but it isn't isn't Kyler Murray a different player with DeAndre Hopkins? Dude, I know, I know y'all saw that one-handed touchdown. Catch. Hopkins looked really good, <laughs> and we said that Hopkins was going to eat against the the Viking secondary, which he definitely did. Um, but the Vikings defense bend, not breaking giving Kirk a chance to win the game yet again late in the game. That's been the MO for the Vikings this season. Um, and so it's, it's on to next week against the commanders. And uh, I think they're going to be able to carry this momentum for a while. Yeah. I, I think the defense is the most impressive part because we all assumed that the Vikings would have a good offense with JJ and Dalvin oh, yeah. Cook. And I feel like Thielen's regressed a little bit. He's not playing as well as some of us just, thought he would He's be. getting old. Body's falling apart but, a little bit. Yeah, definitely. One of the notes I had wrote down, though, was, is this a top five offense or can it be? And after this performance and now with the trade of TJ Hawkinson, I definitely think this is a top five worthy offense. I think it's on Kirk Cousins' shoulders, like usual, to carry this team into the playoffs and see how far they can get. But I definitely think it's a it's a top-five-worthy offense. And, you know, you guys showed that against the Cardinals. I know, man. I'm starting Kirk O'Chains in fantasy this week. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing here about this Vikings game that I think people didn't talk about <laughs> is that Thielen – also had a good game, real balanced attack from the Vikings. I think uh, people were starting to question Dalvin. Is it his team? Did the number yeah, I mean, change affect them? He rushed he over. He rushed game. for over a hundred yards. So I mean, he's looking good too. He got the touchdown too. Yeah. So 
that leads us to our fourth team. Let's get it. <laughs> Best team I, of the I week. I have a lot to say on this. <laughs> so just <laughs> you got five with minutes. Me. Wrap it up, Steve. <laughs> bear with me because I got a lot to say. Um, obviously a diehard Raider fan, and we went into Halloween weekend, uh, into New Orleans to play the Saints, and we laid an egg. Uh, got shut out 24-0. Uh, from start to finish, it was just an ugly game. It it just went as bad as you could have imagined. It went for anybody. It was the worst game any team has played this entire season. We crossed the 50-yard line once, and I think that was with maybe two, three, four minutes left in the game. Uh I want to start off by asking you guys what you thought about the game before I kind of go in and give you guys my thoughts on You know, I'm going to be honest with you. Raiders did. I'm going to be honest with you, bro. I was watching Red Zone and the Cowboys game at the same time because they played at the same time. And uh, I didn't see much on the Raiders game because, I mean, they weren't in the Red Zone, bro. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they, they weren't just in the red zone. They weren't even on the other team's side of the field. And I was playing against Devontae Adams, so I was keeping track of it that way, too. I mean, I don't know what happened. I don't know. Did they just stuff the run? Did, could y'all not run? I mean, Josh Jacobs has been on fucking fire. Um, Devontae Adams as well. I mean, three yards, bro. I don't know what y'all did. I mean, I don't know what happened to y'all, dude. Tony, any any thoughts on the game? Any any anything you'd like to say before? Kamara had three tutties, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. how, how many did he have this season before those three? What do you had one? One was zero or had one? one. Zero. <laughs> God damn. He's had zero touchdowns this season. How y'all let Kamara back into fantasy relevance after I just traded him, bro? Bucks up with that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's it. That's all I, I got. I don't know how to approach this. Look, I like to think I'm a pretty positive person. I like to think I'm a pretty unbiased person when it comes to my teams. This was a complete and utter fucking disaster. And if you ask me, it starts up top with the coaching. But when you put out this kind of performance, everybody gets the blame. Everybody. Head coach, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, quarterback, receivers, O line, D line, DBs, everybody. It was a it was a fucking shit show. Josh McDaniels continuously makes to continuously makes very questionable play calls that I don't understand. It's third and one, and you do a jet sweep with Devontae Adams. When you have Josh Jacobs, who's been averaging four and a half, five yards a run, over 140 yards per game for the last three games, it just doesn't make sense. You run a fake punt, it, I just, on your side of the field, it just, it doesn't make sense. Don't get me started with Patrick Graham. I wasn't huge on his signing. Look at the Giants defense right now. It's better without him. Patrick Graham... <laughs> I'm sorry, and I'm not someone who's like, fire this person, fire this this coach, fire this player, bench this guy, but we need to fire Patrick Graham. I, I do not like Patrick Graham. He has Denzel Perriman, who's a downhill 
tackling machine trying to cover arguably the best receiving running back in Alvin Kamara. Makes zero sense. It just doesn't make sense. These DBs can't cover. I saw Anthony Averett give up a first down on third down on an eight-yard out. Chris Olave didn't make a move, didn't turn his head, anything. Just a straight, simple eight-yard out got beat. Rockison turned his hips to the outside on the easy slant. Derek Carr has been playing bad this year. There's just, and I'm a Derek Carr fan. Some people might love that. Some people might hate that. But honestly, the Raiders put on a shit show. Everybody sucked. The O-line was completely awful against the 31st ranked defense when we were the sixth ranked offense and you couldn't put up a single point. It's just embarrassing. Uh, I don't really have much else to fucking say because I could go on for hours about how pathetic of a performance. Yes, yeah, please was. don't. Um, but with that, we're going to take <clears throat> another quick little break. And then we're going to jump into these game previews because God knows the Raiders need it. So we'll be back with you guys in a second. We'll talk to you soon. All right, y'all, we're finally back uh, here to talk about the game previews for this upcoming week. We're going to go ahead and talk about the Cowboys. Pete, you guys are on a bye week. Anything you need to tell us or you want us to know about how the Cowboys approach this bye week? No, man, I mean, it just gives us a little bit more time. I mean, Zeke Zeke can get healthy. We know we need that uh, regardless of what people think. Um, We had three or four injuries on our secondary so, I mean, it just came in a perfect time. I know it seems that always come in a perfect time for every team uh, with injuries and whatnot, but uh, hopefully everybody gets healthy, come back against the Packers, and uh, hopefully we play our best game in the season because I know Mike McCarthy wants that more than anything against the Packers at home. Well, yeah, the I, Packers I, in Lambeau, not our home, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a game you guys could come out with the win, but I know Aaron Rodgers will love – I mean, you know what Aaron Rodgers does to us, bro. So Packers in, in Lambo, <laughs> especially. So, excuse me. I think that'll be an interesting. Uh, it'll be an interesting game, and ho- hopefully, yeah, the the Cowboys can get healthy in this yeah. bye week, and they can continue their success. Uh, moving on to the Ravens, uh, they're playing the Saints on Monday night. Uh, one of their biggest the key defenders, Calais Campbell, is hurt. We're not sure if he's going to play. Rashad Bateman, I don't think, is going to play either, dealing with his injuries. Mark Andrews is dealing with the shoulder still. Um, but now they got Roquan Smith. What do we think about this game of the Ravens versus the Saints? What can we expect from Roquan's debut? And how do the Ravens stop Alvin Kamara and Chris Olave? Chris Olave? Man, I, the Ravens got to hope that uh, slant boy Michael Thomas isn't healthy and comes back because, I mean – the Saints are averaging 30-plus points with Andy Dalton back there. I mean, I know it doesn't sound right. <laughs> they're Red a top-five right. offense in yards. I mean, that doesn't sound right either, but, I mean, they're doing it on the offensive side. Um, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, uh, Alvin Kamara. Um, they got a couple They got a couple good young studs at running back as well that we're probably going to see this week since uh, Mark Ingram's out for a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, I still have the Ravens winning, but I think it's going to be uh, – I think it's going to be actually a pretty good game. Uh, what? Get, give us a score. Oh, I think it's gonna be pretty close, bro. I think it's gonna be, man. I think it's gonna be kind of high scoring, bro. I think it's gonna be somewhere around thirty-four to thirty-one. I think it's gonna come down to the end. 
Okay, Tony, what what do you think? And give us a score. Um, I'm thinking uh, another ugly Ravens win here. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, twenty seven twenty four. Uh, Justin Tucker doing his thing in the fourth <clears throat> quarter. Uh, for a lot of the same reasons that uh, Pete said here. Um, I, you know, I don't think that you're going to see 30 points from the Saints offense this game. Um, you know, despite a few key injuries and some lackluster play as of late, I think this Ravens defense is better than its statistics have shown over the uh, first couple of weeks here. Uh, I think we're going to see this unit kind of come into its own this game, slow down, not stop this um, uh, pretty good Saints offense. But I don't think the Saints defense is going to be able to show up and stop Lamar on a, you know, regular basis, drive by drive. So it'll be a close one. It'll be an ugly one. But I got the Ravens on top. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you, Tony. That's what I had. I have the Ravens beating the Saints 27-24. I think the Saints defense is a little underrated, um, injured. I think the Saints as a team are coming back. Or, or the Saints as a team are coming from a complete win against the Raiders, so they have some momentum. They have that confidence. But I think the Ravens have made the right moves, and I do think the Ravens end up beating the Saints on Monday night. I think the Saints are going to play so. hard, bro. I they think they're going to play hard. I, I mean, that div- that division is wide open. I mean, the, the, the leaders are playing division, hard. The, the Falcons are playing four well. Four. Yeah, and that's it's so, the Falcons. I think, I mean, I know it's midseason, but – I just think it's a pretty big game when it comes to whether they win or lose, because win or lose, team, if they put out a you good let a team product. get ahead of you. I think you let a team get ahead of you in the division right now with how bad it is. I think I don't think you can come back. That that division is just not that good. Yeah. Uh, real quick, do you guys think the Saints should stick with Andy Dalton? Yes. No, I don't think, I don't think the stats are lying. I mean. We've seen what they did with Jameis Winston. I know he got hurt. I know he broke, fractured his back in a couple places. But, I mean, he's 100% healthy now, and the coach is just keeping Andy in there. I mean, Andy's yeah. throwing what? He's thrown two two interceptions in a couple games. I mean, they're still averaging 30 points. I mean, whatever they're yeah. doing is working. And Andy's had no Michael Thomas, so I think you keep him in there. Okay, moving on to another NFC team, the Vikings. They are playing the Commanders, who have rattled off what I believe three or four wins in a row. They're playing yeah. really well behind Taylor Heineke. Him and McLaurin have some crazy connection that just always seems to come to life. Uh, Tony, what can we expect from the Vikings against the Commanders? And does it mean more with Kirk Cousins returning to Washington for Right? You guys are playing in – does it matter? In Washington or in Minnesota, it's Kirk Cousins playing the commanders, the team that drafted him. Does it mean more? What What, what do you think? Um, It's in Washington, by the way. Okay. Um, and uh, I don't think it matters that much. I don't, I don't feel like there's a huge storyline around Kirk Cousins coming back to, to Washington. Um, Washington's front office has been a bit of a mess. Uh, the last few years. Um, and, you know, I think with the allegations and investigation into that, that I feel like that's always going to kind of overshadow what's going on on the field with the Washington commanders. Uh, 
that being said, I think that you should expect another great offensive performance um, from the Vikings. I think that, uh, you know, they're going to continue to be um, pushing the ball downfield. Um, they're going to continue to have big, nice chunk plays that they've been having in key situations. Um, <clears throat> you know, the the commander's defense has been pretty battered up, um, especially uh, on the D-line here, and that's kind of a recipe for another good Kirk Cousins game. Uh, going on the road, I think it might not be um, as easy as the Vikings would like it. The commanders are still a 500 team. Um, they're still trying to be a competitive team at that. Um, Heineke has been playing very good football. Um, I think this is one of those games um, that really kind of uh, helps separate um, teams that are competing versus teams that are not um, competing for playoff spots. Um, and I, I fully expect the Vikings to win by about 10 points here. I'd probably say 24 to 14 sounds like a, an accurate estimate of how this game's going to go. Expect two touchdowns from Kirk Cousins and maybe another one on the ground from Dalvin Cook or uh, maybe even Alexander Madison getting down in the red zone there. Um, pretty r routine game for the Vikings here. Uh, Heineke will be competitive for one half, I want to say. Maybe the first or the second half. Maybe he mounts a comeback, a little mini one. But um, I don't expect it to be um, this super gritty game. Commander's defense hasn't been playing that well all season. Yeah, Pete? Um, you know, my role here is pretty much just to talk shit about the Vikings, you know. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that being said, I mean, I still got the Vikings winning. I think they're going to be too much for Washington. I think Washington's the – 18th ranked defense this year, so they're they're middle they're middle of the pack. Um, I like Heineke personally. I, I'm a big Heineke fan. I think the team plays a lot harder behind him. He's just he likable. He uses Antonio Gibson the way he should be used. Um, Terry McLaurin, he just throws it up to him somehow. Scary, scary Terry comes Terry. down with it every time. Um, I know we said earlier uh, Peterson's been playing good, but I don't know. I mean, I know they don't have a scary a scary receiving core. But if Jahan Dotson is healthy, Curtis Samuel's there, and Curtis Gary Samuel. Terry is on the other side, um, and we know Heineke just likes to throw it, uh, I think it'll be pretty interesting. I think it's going to be a pretty close. I think it's, I won't want to say close game, but I think it's going to be a one score game. I wouldn't say ten points. I'd say one score. Um, I guess I'd have to go, man, maybe like I'd probably go like twenty eight, twenty one. That's that's Sorry fair. That. Yeah. That wasn't uh, too bad. Yeah, I I also have the Vikings winning this game. I think Heineke and McLaurin, I think their connection stays alive. I think McLaurin has a score. Gibson is used well. I believe he has a score. Um, but ultimately, I have the Vikings beating the Commanders 24-17. I think the Commanders do put out some good drives on offense. They do put out some good drives on defense, but ultimately I think the Vikings come out. They they show that they can pretty much score on anybody. I'm sure they'll I the Commanders defense I believe is good enough that they'll get a few stops and they'll yeah. keep it they'll keep it close enough, but I think it'll be Vikings 
pretty easily 24-17 for the moment. Yeah, I want to say I, I want to say I heard Logan Thomas is coming back as well this week. So, I mean, that, that'd be a good addition to the That's offense. a big target. Yeah, it's a good target for yeah. them. Um, so now we go into the very much needed game preview for the Las Vegas Raiders. They're going into Jacksonville to play the Jaguars who are two and six. The Raiders are two and five. Both teams are struggling. Both teams have shown some flashes here and there. Who do you guys think wins this game? And how do they bounce back? Is it a Lawrence and Etienne type of game? And they just manhandle the Raiders defense like a lot of teams have been? Or does Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, and Josh Jacobs fix that offense and they come out and they bounce back against the Jaguars? Uh, Pete, you can go ahead and start. What do you think? And then, Tony, give us your your thoughts. Man, you don't. Yeah, I really don't know how this game's going to go because both these teams can show up and show you something, make you think, like, oh, they could be a playoff team or they're going to come out there and just be bad. Um, I think y'all have the better – I think y'all have the better team more experienced quarterback. I don't think Carr's going to come out there and get embarrassed again. So I'm, I'm going to have to give this one to the Raiders. And when it comes to the score, man, I don't know. I'd have to just give a more of a, a common score, maybe something like 21-17. Um, yeah. I think y'all are, I think y'all are going to force the run to happen and force the ball to Devontae Adams. Y'all can't have another week like last week. Tony? I think that the uh, graphics for this game should have Trevor Lawrence and Derek Carr removed and <laughs> ETN and Jacobs on that because I feel like it's going to be this, – this, this is a weird kind of game, and I think we're going to see a running back duel between <clears throat> ETN and Jacobs. I think you're going to see them handling a lot of the offensive load. Um, I think you're probably going to see a fair amount of turnovers in this game as well. Um, with, you know, uh, some more opportunistic defense being played here, jumping on fumbles, uh, misreads by both quarterbacks. Uh, I think it's going to be a very entertaining game um, and a game where I think that the Raiders are going to come out on top of this. I feel like I'm going to live to regret it. Uh, <laughs> I think we but all I, are. I think, that the, I think that the Raiders are more hungry for this win than the Jags are. I think the Jags, despite uh, making some trades and, you know, having a better start to the season than last year, I still feel like there's a, a certain sense of they don't have a direction for the team quite yet. Trevor Lawrence really isn't this vocal leader, um, and he's not necessarily super – he doesn't stand out for how bad he is, and he doesn't stand out for how good he is. He kind of just stands out for – how meh he is, you know. Bro, I don't know if y'all heard that video of him in the hype tunnel. A oh, couple it's, weeks ago. it's so bad. <laughs> Dude, I'll have, he's, I'll, he is so monotone. I'll have to no, stitch that in. He has like, no I, I think, character. I think Give me, the Jaguars uh, have some direction. I think some. Tre, I think Trevor Lawrence has a lot of potential. I think he is. He's ass, a, bro. He, he's a product of being. So good growing up. He's a, that he's once a product he got to of the not NFL, being that good. He, he, I don't just, I just don't think it translated. I don't think he realized, like, oh man, every player at the NFL level is a beast. 
Yeah. Sunshine I think, I think it was so for easy for him in high school and college that he just didn't expect it. And I think he shows flashes that he can he can be a franchise quarterback, but then you see the other parts where you're like, what are you throwing to? Why are you so inaccurate? Um, Travis Etn is nice. Obviously, Christian Kirk plays well. Zay Jones. Steve, you gonna let me give you the score prediction, bro? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, give me your score. Prediction. You gonna let? I, I was gonna. You want me to change my fucking? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Give me, give me the Jags 27-24, bro. Quit talking about me. I'm trying, I'm trying to squeeze that out. Give 27, me the Jags, 24 bro. Jags. I like it. Yep. I think Blake would agree with you, low-key. Uh, Good. I think this is uh, something that I might live to regret. I think this is my last hopeful prediction for the Raiders because I do think they can turn it around. I just don't see how at the moment. I just don't see how. I think it's a good game. I think it's a close game. I think it might be. I think both offenses will have some success and both defenses will have opportunities. I think the Raiders come out and beat the Jaguars 24-17. I think we have some big plays offensively and defensively. I think both teams play better than they have been, but maybe not as good as we we hope so. They're only going to look better because they're playing bad teams. <laughs> mm. I, I mean, yes and no. At this at this point, a win is a win, and I'll take it as a Raider fan. No, yeah, if y'all, we, y'all, need, if, y'all need it. If we lose to Jacksonville, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We, we, we'll be tank, ha- bro. We'll definitely have different different discussions, but that's going to close out our game previews for for this next coming week. Um, we're going to come back and finish off today's episode with our power rankings, which I wish Blake was here because I know we all have our little thoughts and opinions and it's just, it's, it's fun being able to talk and argue and dissect each other's brains on who would, who we would have in certain spots. So we're going to take this break and then we'll come back and talk about the power rankings. We miss you, Blake. We're glad to be back, guys. We're going to go ahead and jump into our power rankings, our favorite discussion of each and every episode. Um, We're going to start at the bottom here. We have the Lions at 32, the Texans at 31. We put the Lions at the bottom because they just traded away arguably their best offensive player. Texans at 31, Jaguars at 30, Panthers at 29, Broncos at 28. Even though they just came off a win, we have the Raiders at 27 and the Bears at 26. We all had a little bit of a difference of opinion on that. For some odd reason, after this weekend's performance, I wanted to put the Raiders at 26 over the Bears and Broncos, but they don't deserve that. So we got Raiders 27, Bears 26, Steelers 25, Cardinals 24. Commanders 23 coming off that win. They jumped quite a few spots. Colts at 22. Patriots 21. Bucks at 20. And Packers at 19. Both dropping. Crazy. Both taking L's. I don't think anybody would have the Bucks or the Packers this low. People were saying For the sure Bucks top were going to win a championship, bro. I but, heard people say 
that they'd at least make the NFC championship game. I thought they'd at least be top 15, but so far they have not been playing well. And I don't really see anything that tells me they're going to start playing well. Uh, We have the Browns at 18 after they spanked the Bengals. We have the Saints at 17 after they destroyed the Raiders. Jets at 16. The Jets took the biggest drop from our top 10 power rankings. Uh, That injury to Brees Hall is huge. The fact that Zach Wilson is trash. Sorry, Juice. I'm not hiding. He's not him. He's not good. He's not him, man. I... Man, get Elijah Moore out of there. Anyway, the Jets had the biggest job. Joe Flacco back in. <laughs> you know, they were playing well. And that that's what sucks about the backup quarterback is there's always that conversation of, well, does your team perform better with him? And if they do, is he worth starting? I mean, look at the Cowboys with Cooper Rush and Dak. I think they're the lucky Saints. enough to have it, but... Yeah, the Jets aren't Look at looking the 49ers. good. The Jets just aren't looking exactly. good. Exactly, there's a couple teams. With Zach Wilson. Stiles Gardner's still a beast. Um, but we'll see We'll see what they do. Hopefully by running the ball and playing defense, they can maybe move back up. We have the Rams at 15 who continue to lose, got destroyed by the 49ers. They played a good first half, but CMC took over. One passing touchdown. One receiving touchdown, one running touchdown. He thought he was LT or Walter first Payton. First player in 50 years, bro. 50 years. And he's the first player to ever to do all three of 30-plus yards. Having 30-plus yards passing, 30-plus yards receiving, and 30-plus yards rushing with a touchdown in each category. So CMC showed out for the Niners. The Rams stay at 15. I still think they have the potential. I just don't... I just don't see them being dangerous enough to be Super Bowl contenders at this point. Uh, we have the Falcons at 14 who are now leading the NFC South. They jump into the top 15. Marcus Mariota is playing well. They're running the ball. The defense isn't bad. Drake London. Kyle Pitts is finally playing well again. Uh, we have the Bengals at 13. I think we can all agree that this team just looks different without Jamar Chase. Pay your receivers. T Higgins is obviously has good connection with uh, Joe Burrow, but it's just, it's not the same connection between Joe and Jamar. Like it's just on another level. So they're at 13 chargers at 12. They had a bye week. They need to get healthy. I think they still, their receivers are Passing game is kind of a mess right now. I'm not sure what to make of it. Austin Eckler's a beast. He does it all. Excuse me. Number 11, the Seahawks. I think that's a team worth being in the top 10. I would argue that they could beat most of those teams from 7 to 10. But Geno Smith and Pete Carroll, they're playing that. They're playing well. They're playing at a high level. They got the Seahawks playing like a true playoff team. Kenneth Walker might be offensive rookie of the year now if Chris Olave doesn't get it, especially with the Brees Hall injury. Uh, the Seahawks are looking nice. Uh, they have ar- arguably the second best rookie corner, Tariq Woolen. Um, 
I mean, it's all dude Gino. I mean, it's all dude Gino on that side. Hey, they wrote him off, but he ain't right back. So, he had the Seahawks at 11, but they could be top 10. They exposed the Giants. Exposed the Giants. And I think we have the Giants still in the top 10. I think off of one loss, it's hard to take them out of that. But Seahawks made it convincing. I I think I I could switch to Seahawks and Giants and not bat an eye. Um, That brings us to our top 10. Oh, and I want to make a correction real quick. For some reason, yeah. we said 50 years. I meant to say, uh, I got the, it's since 2005. I got the zero and the five mixed up and said 50. Mm. So it's been 17 uh, okay. years. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Just wanted to fix that. Um, the Dolphins come in at number 10. Look, they look Tua good cannot they look good throw the, the ball deep. Tua can't throw the ball deep. And I heard an analyst today say, well, he has the most completions of 10-plus yard throws. <laughs> That's not deep. Tyreek comes not, back to the ball every time, bro. That that does not equal him completing deep passes, him having a strong arm. Granted, I think Tua's playing well. He's playing great. He's being accurate. He's getting the ball to his receivers. Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill might be the best duo in the NFL right now. They are. They're deserving, yeah, there's no doubt about it. They're no deserving of a top 10 team. And if Tua plays this way, Mike McDaniels continues to coach the way he is. And now adding a star pass rusher like Bradley Chubb, I really only see this team getting better. And, yes, they have to play second fiddle to the to the Bills. I mean, and they added Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson. That's a, that's, that's a big upgrade from Edmonds. Edmonds was playing that's pretty bad. That's a good committee. That's, that's a good committee. I like the Dolphins. I like the Dolphins more now after that trade than I did beforehand. And with that win that they had. Um, coming in at number nine is the Tennessee Titans. I think they're finding their groove again. Derrick Henry just is the Texans' destroyer. I mean, Man, he's, if he's playing the Texans, ball. just You'll see his last four games against the Texans. What, like oh, averaging over like, 200 yards and two touchdowns? Yeah, I want to see his own. It was close to 900 yards and 10 touchdowns in the <sighs> previous four consecutive meetings, bro. It's insane. That, that's dominance on another level. But the Titans are playing good. I, Malik Willis started this game, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, Malik Willis started this game. So if he can continue to grow, continue to get comfortable, uh, hopefully Traylon Burks comes back healthy soon. The Titans can continue to make some noise and push push deep into the playoffs like they did last year. They were the one C last year. So uh glad that they were able to turn around this slow start to the season. Yeah, they're quiet number, they're, they're a quiet team. Quiet yeah, quiet team. I mean, for what are sure. they five and two, six and two? That that's pretty Yeah. yeah you don't hear them any good. Think, you don't hear them get talked about too much. Number eight, which is I think a team that belongs in the top five if they can play consistently is the 49ers, which in hindsight, we probably should have put them in front of number seven, who's the giants. But I think you give the, it one more week. I think you give them one more week. Yeah. The Rams have been pretty bad. If they come but, out here and they perform like that again, bro, giants still have, and a they pretty did good that without Debo Samuel. Yeah. No Debo Samuel on Sunday against the Rams. So imagine getting a healthy C- CMC, a healthy Debo, a healthy Ayuk, a healthy Kittle. That's a scary offense. That's a dangerous team with how good they run the ball and how good they are on defense. They're just going to be um, as good as Jimmy can allow them to be. Yeah, I, I I see them hopping into those top 
five, six, seven spots real soon. I think they'll take the NFC West. I think they're going to finish the year with the NFC West crown over the Seahawks. I'll respect the Geno. This team is is really good. I mean, as a Cowboys fan, bro, I mean, I'm not scared of any NFC team except the Niners right now. Dude, it's a power. Making a trade like that for McCaffrey, what does that tell you? And look what Kyle Shanahan did with the four weeks preparation with McCaffrey. Um, Giants at number seven, who got who lost pretty pretty easily to the Seahawks. The Seahawks did their work on them. Uh, we have them at seven. I actually see this as the one team in our top ten that could easily drop out by next week. Um, but I think we also have to give Brian Dable and the Giants, that benefit of the doubt that their only two losses are to the Cowboys and Seahawks, who are two good NFC teams. Uh, how do we feel about the Giants? Man, I think it's similar to what we said about the Jets. Uh, we've seen them as a team that could possibly drop out and that we were just riding the wave while it was going. I think that's what's going on with the uh, Giants. I mean, nobody I, th- I mean, nobody expected them to be this good. I don't think – I said it. Yeah. I mean, we all said it. We, don't th- we didn't think it would last – um, I'm not saying they're going to go on and lose, you know, three, four in a row, but I think they definitely uh, lost a little bit of momentum. They have an easy schedule going forward, so we'll see what they do with it. It should be interesting. I mean, the Giants' defense um, looked not as good as they have for the rest of the season, but I think when you have a, a good defense, your floor is kind of raised to a certain level. I think this team is still going to be a wild card contending team. Um, the NFC East is just so good. Um, yeah. <clears throat> highest winning percentage through week eight since the merger. As a division. Th- still got three of their teams in our top 10. I think maybe the Giants being at seven could have potentially been an oversight on our eyes. Yeah. Um, we might have just overlooked that. But to be honest, I, I think it's worth waiting another week and seeing how the rest of the, the top 10 performs going into week nine. Yeah, seeing how they bounce back will be important. Um, the Ravens at number Next six. Next one's for you, Blake. Ravens at six. Now, again, I think if this team is healthy with the addition of Roquan Smith, this is another team capable of being a top five team. Lamar's playing great. He's in a contract year. Roquan Smith is in a contract year, so I expect him to continue to play well. Isaiah likely played really well this past year. Yeah, he week. played really well, bro. Really well. I mean, as a as a Ravens fan, you gotta just hope you gotta let Mark Andrews get healthy if he's not hundred percent healthy, just because the way Isaiah likely played. I mean, that's that's huge I mean, to have a backup. At, at full capacity. health, this Ravens team has Lamar, J.K. Dobbins, and Gus Edwards. Kenyon Drake is playing well as well. Um, Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay, Mark Andrews, and Isaiah Likely on offense. On defense, if they can get healthy, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, Roquan Smith, Calais Campbell. I mean, this is a team built for the playoffs, and I'm excited to see where they go. I hate to give the Ravens too much praise because of Blake, but... uh. I think they're standing strong at that sixth spot, and I don't think I see them moving down unless for some reason they lose to a team that we don't expect them to lose to. I think this is the uh, I think this is the highest we've ever seen a team that uh, has a running back for a quarterback. 
So cool. <laughs> I, I think they're the they're the third best team in the AFC. Honestly, I, outside the Bills and the Chiefs, I can run the that. AFC. I think For they're sure. the third best team in the AFC right now. The the spot in our power in our power rankings reflects that. Yeah, and I mean with Bateman out, he's probably gonna have to run a little bit more. So, um, <laughs> good thing at number good at five, it. Tony. We have your Minnesota Vikings. The disrespect back-to-back weeks. You know, this was a tough decision for me because ultimately I feel like the Vikings might have a higher ceiling, but the Cowboys are a better team, in my opinion, at the moment, and their defense, that group itself is just better. But we have the Vikings at five. They traded for TJ Hawkinson. <clears throat> they came out and had a good statement win against the Cardinals at home. How do you feel about your Vikings at five and where you see them going from here? I think the Vikings offense is elite. I think that um, uh, the coaching change is almost 100% responsible for that. You had Hawkinson to an already elite offensive unit. Um I think if you just look at skill positions alone, running back, wide receiver, tight end, we're the second best unit in the NFL behind the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to argue that. But somebody who could argue that is your co-host, Pete, whose Dallas Cowboys are at number four. Pete, tell us about your Cowboys at four. I think this season is clearly riding on Michael Parsons' shoulder. I think Tony Pollard has brought an explosiveness to that offense that tends to lack it from time to time. Uh, We've seen it when Zeke struggles. We've seen it when Dak struggles. So I think Tony Pollard is boosting it up. We're starting to see Dak connect with CD better. What can we expect from this Cowboys offense looking forward? Because I expect their defense to continue to be good. And this is a team that's built for the playoffs. I just want to say, hopefully both of our teams keep winning until November 20th and we can decide who belongs <laughs> at four or five. But um, I think, honestly, I don't, I don't think Tony has said this out loud, but I think he might feel the same way that I feel. I don't think he's scared of Dak and I'm not scared of Kirk. So I think that's a, I think that's a big difference in why we feel the way we do. We both know we have solid rosters all around. Yeah. Um, me being biased, I could make an argument that the Cowboys offense is just as good, but at this moment, I mean, we're not. If we continue to put up 40-plus points, I mean, there's no arguing that. Even if we don't have a better offensive roster, you know, we're performing better at times. Um, yeah. I, mean, I don't really have much to say besides the defense, and hopefully, I mean, if Dak is back, I mean, I, don't, I, I think we stay where we're at. If Dak is back for real and he's healthy and confident. But. All right. The- this is November a poll 20th, that I, that's all I'm waiting on. <laughs> this is a poll that I want to put out on uh, Twitter, just because I want to get, I want to, well, for your guys' feathers, if you could have a starting, you know what, let's say four players from each team, would you rather take Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook? And Zadarius Smith, or would you rather take Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, That's Tony so Pollard, tough. and Micah Parsons? 
I mean, that that's but, tough, bro. I mean, those are both really good. I mean, I think I think Justin Jefferson has the biggest gap between him. Yeah, and the I think, and so his, too. I think, I think C- CD has the upside, but yeah, I don't. I mean, come on, bro. He's been good. Well, he's been okay this season. He Jefferson, was good last week, but bro, you cannot Je- compare him to Jefferson. I Just mean. Jefferson about to break records this season. Kirk Cousins is the white Dak Prescott. Um, I feel like they're just dead even, bro. I mean, I, I feel think, like I Dak do, has more Dak potential. Dak's ceiling is higher. Yeah, Dak's yes. ceiling is definitely higher. Absolutely. But the inconsist- inconsistency between both quarterbacks is apparent. I mean, there's um, there's a Kirk Cousins category, bro. I mean, you put Dak, Dak in it, you put Kirk in, in it, you put Derek Carr in it, you put Carson Wentz in it. You, I mean, you just gotta <laughs> be at quarterback for sure. And then, I mean, Tony Pollard has been more explosive lately. Dalvin Cook has the resume. And then right now is it you got your two defensive player of the year candidates yeah, the right ones now fighting for it. Yeah. yeah. I mean one um, has eight sacks, one has eight point five. I mean it's just such a close race. Like you said, Pete, I think I think it'll be fun to see these two teams play on November twentieth. I know it'll be big for you two. Uh, hella bragging rights. Maybe we'll see a, a jersey swap or some I shit. Mean, that's like a that. that's a play, that's a playoff preview. I mean Facts at the mid, at the midpoint in the season. That's a that's a game you want to see. You have a high powered offense versus a stout defense, and then in possibly a powerful offense in the Cowboys versus a possibly stout defense in the Vikings. So I, it, it'll be a good matchup. Now we get back to this top three that I still think is in a slight little division of itself. I think the Cowboys and Vikings and Ravens and 49ers are all starting to make their way there. But last week we had Bills, Eagles, Chiefs. The Chiefs had a bye week this this week. We kept them at number three right now. Um, Patrick Mahomes is looking good. They traded for Kadarius Tony, So they added another explosive element to that offense that's already amazing. Um, what do we think about the Chiefs at three? I think they still win the AFC West easily. I still think they're arguably the most dangerous team out of all three teams. But, yeah, how do you guys feel about the Chiefs at three? Yeah, man, I mean, I've been saying it. I mean, I still have the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, bro. I don't know. I mean, I know the Bills look dangerous, bro, but I just don't have them beating the Chiefs when it comes down to it in the playoffs. So I think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. Whether the, where they're at right now, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the top three are the top three in the NFL. I mean, there's no arguing that. Yeah. Tony? I think the Chiefs floor every year that they've had Patrick Mahomes' AFC championship game. That's their floor. Um, yeah. And I think next year that'll be their floor. And the sky's the limit. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I think, is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Um what he's been able to do with, uh, you know, the replacements he's had for Tyreek Hill certainly warrants him MVP consideration this year, um, if not winning it. Yeah. Um, and I think the defense is going to do what it's been doing. They've kind of been that bend don't break defense for, you know, years now under Andy Reid. And uh, we know who the Chiefs are. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and with the Chiefs' defense, I think that's why they maybe didn't make a a move 
on offense or defense is because they know they're going to score the, score the ball. They know they're going to put up points. And they know that they don't need this amazing defense that's going to shut people out. They just need a defense that's going to be able to get them to stop and put the ball back in Mahomes' hands because you do that. And, I mean, look at the game against the Bills in the playoffs last last year. 13 seconds. He gets the ball with 13 seconds, drives it down to kick a field goal to tie to go to overtime. So that's all he needs. You, you you don't need an amazing defense for the Chiefs. I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback at the moment, and as a Raider fan, I hate to say that, but I agree with you, Tony. Now, number one and number two, we had Bills at one and Eagles at two last week. We switched it up this we switched it up this time. P, I don't know how you feel about it, but we put the Eagles at one and the Bills at two. I still believe that the Eagles are the most well-rounded team in every aspect, special teams, offense, and defense. I still think the Bills are scarier, though. Their upside is a little bit more, and I'm just not 100% sure that the Eagles can win in a shootout. Can Jalen Hurts put up those kind of numbers and keep up with Bills and Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs if it's a 45-42 to game. Uh, The Eagles did add Robert Quinn, so I think they're trying to prove to everybody in the league and and the fans that they're a legit number one team. And coming off last week's win, they're still undefeated, so I think they're deserving of that one spot. Bills came off another easy win as well. What do you guys make of the one and two spots? And what do you guys think about the Eagles and the Bills? I'll say it. I'll say it over and over again, bro. I'm not scared of the Eagles. I don't know if it's because I've, we play against them two times a year because we're divisions. I'm just not scared of them. Uh, the last two times that they beat us, we've had a backup quarterback. Ben DiNucci they got A.J. Brown Rush. now. Ben DiNucci and Cooper Rush. I'm not worried about it. Um, they, they, they won't beat us with Dak, so I'm just not scared of them. They might still get the number one seed. Yeah, when we play them when we make the playoffs and we play them eventually again after our December matchup. Uh, we'll see what happens, but I'm not nervous for it. I don't think Tony should be as a Vikings fan either. I just don't think they're scary. Tony, I have a hot take. Feel? I have a hot take. What's your hot take? I'll, I'll preface this hot take with I think the Eagles deserve to be number one in the power rankings right now. Okay. They're undefeated. They're the one seed. They've been playing very convincing football. However, I just can't give them their flowers, bro. I hate them. However, <laughs> here's the hot take. The Philadelphia Eagles are not making the NFC championship game, bro. Damn. They they not making the NFC championship game, bro. I think that <clears throat> I think they're kind of having a Ravens year. You know, I, I, I think you see the emergence of the dual threat quarterback come up and you have the really good roster around them and the defense is clicking and they're healthy and they're playing well. And then they run into a team with a little bit more seasoning to them. With a little just, bit, it's just like the undefeated Steelers a couple years ago, bro. Just get punched in the mouth, bro. By a team that's been there before, done that, lost games, won games. And I don't know if it's going to be the Cowboys to do it. I don't know if it's the Vikings that are going to do it. I don't know who else in the NFC that is competing right now is going to be the one to do it, like the 49ers. 
But I don't think that the Eagles are going to make it to the NFC Championship game. I think it's going to be a great year for them. I think if they keep playing the way they're playing, that Jalen Hurts could win an MVP. I think that <clears throat> they'll have that cushiony little bye week, and they're going to show up to that first game, and they might look a lot like the Packers did last oh, no, year Steve. after their little bye week. Steve, can you say confidently that if they play the Vikings, the Cowboys, the Niners, the Seahawks right now, that they're going to convincingly win? The Eagles did beat the Vikings. I look. I, I, I wouldn't that, say. Saying. I wouldn't say convincingly, but I do think they're better than those teams right now, and I do think they could beat those teams. I'm more concerned about them if they face, like I said. Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. It's teams that it's going to be a shootout because then I think that puts Jalen Hurts into question, which is the biggest question mark in my opinion. But I will I say... You, I don't think they're going to go against an AFC championship. I mean, go against an AFC team in the, in the playoffs. I think they're going to get knocked out early. But that being said, with how well the Vikings and Cowboys and 49ers are playing... I could easily see all three teams beating the Eagles as well. I just think right now they're playing the most well-rounded football. They're at every level. I think this team is built for the playoffs. They're built for the cold. They can run the ball. They have a really good O-line. They have a good D-line. A.J. Brown is obviously making a huge difference for Jalen Hurts. <clears throat> three touchdowns. Pay your wide weekend. receivers, bro. Um, yeah, I like I said, I don't think they're the scariest team out there. I think it's a team that can still be beat. But I think for the time being, we have to give them the flowers. And I wasn't someone who's had the Eagles at one at all this year so far. No, yeah. This I mean, I've never, I I've never had them at one either. But I think, I think me and Tony are just in similar situations. I mean, you look at our teams, only teams I'm scared to play, Bills, Chiefs, and Niners. That's, that's the only teams I'm scared to play right now. If if the Cowboys show me consistent passing offense, good passing offense, then I can I can see you guys beating them. They've had a backup I, quarterback though. I, I don't even yeah, mean but, to like meet how ride the, the fucking how Cowboys else do right I now. I base it off of that though. I can't base it off anything else. And well, Dak had thumb surgery. Now he played he, got, he played well against the Bears, and obviously against the Lions, it was his first game back from the injury. But Those are I have, both pretty middle teams. I have no body of work to base off what their passing attack is going to be like this season, especially considering the fact that, you know, they've had their troubles in the past. Dak and CD haven't had the best connection. I just need to be shown that they can do it first. When, once they show me that, then, yeah, I, like I said, I think they could easily beat the Eagles. It's just from week one to week eight, so far I have to I have to give it to the Eagles. I do think, though, that the Bills are the front runners in the AFC. I mean, they beat the Chiefs, so I don't think you can quite put the Chiefs above them as that scariest team. I think that they're, I mean, Josh Allen is just a beast. I, there's no other way to put it. He is that team, and as long as he doesn't get injured, I just don't see that team being bad. I, and uh, Tredavious White just got activated. Yeah. That's so big, he's gonna be coming back it's soon. Huge. They've they've had they've had the number one defense with rookie corners, and now they're about to get a Pro Bowl corner. 
you know, you had, you had a more athletic running back in the Hines to our, to an already good offense. So yeah, I think, I think our top 10 is really starting to take form. I think a lot of these teams are going to stay there. They might shuffle yeah. a few spots here and there, but I don't foresee more than two or three teams switching from out the top 10 and coming into the top 10. I think, I think we have a good list. I, I know think, last week we said what top three was more solidified. I think, I mean, now it's arguably top five, top yeah, six, I, maybe that are more, I, I would say top you, six. You I, see that you see the yeah. good teams now. I think, yeah, we have our three AFC, uh, Bills, Chiefs, Ravens. And I think we have our three NFC, uh, uh, Eagles, Cowboys, Vikings, and then I think you could possibly throw the fi- 49ers in there. Yeah, I think so. Um, any last, any last little takes or notes you guys want to speak on before we end this episode? No, Shout out really. to my doctor. Shout out to my doctor in Florida who predicted the Bills taking over the NFC or the AFC East like five, six years ago. Shout out to you. I don't know if you'll ever see this. But he predicted this shit to <laughs> damn near a T, bro. In 2016, shit was mad impressive. Uh, Pete? Nah, not much, bro. You know it's past my bedtime. <laughs> yeah. Um, last Steve, little thing. Fix your I'll... computer. What I do with it? Um, <laughs> Get a new one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, the last little take I want to I want to uh say real quick is. I don't know. I I don't I don't know what the second half surprise of the season is going to be. But you say the fucking Raiders, bro. No, I, and look, I've lost a lot of confidence in the Raiders. <laughs> Not, you say the fucking Raiders, bro. I, I believe we have the potential to be. I just can't confidently say that right now. And I'm not going to pick one specific team because I really don't know who it's going to be. But <clears throat> I just I want to get this going on in your guys' head because I do want to touch on this uh, probably next week. Is who's who's the surprise team going to be the second half of the season, uh, or who the surprise player is going to be that automatically give up. Com- comes into the MVP conversation because all of a sudden he's playing ball uh, lights out and he's balling and he's turning his team around by himself. So, um, yeah, this was a this was an, a very interesting and exciting episode with the trade deadline um i want to thank you all for tuning in and listening again uh you can catch us on twitter you can catch our prime sports podcast on spotify i'll make sure it's on all platforms for you apple listeners as well and you can also find our video to this episode um on youtube and yeah i want to i want to say thank you and i appreciate you guys for checking in and can't wait to talk to you guys next week hope you had a good week Peace.